Okay, so if you've been here um, over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we are doing some preaching on the themes from a Graham Cook prophecy, which he brought to uh, European Leaders Alliance um, in July, I think, of last year. And some of us were at that and heard him. And it really felt like a significant word. And so we are preaching on some of those themes. Uh, Pete was preaching last week. Do listen to it if you didn't get a chance. And I know um, Dave Carter is going to be preaching on the bride, which is another theme, which is going to be great. Um, But I'm preaching on the theme of the old man is dead. And I've called it the old man is dead, so stop walking in the graveyard. But, you know, I, I really did have a bit of trouble with this preach, to be honest, because it's very hard. It, it really resonated with me when I heard it. And the thing about Graham Cook's prophecy is it's got corporate relevance. It's got relevance for the church in this country and in Europe. But it's also got individual relevance. And the old man is dead was really resonating with me. And so there's kind of a longing in me to see less of the old man in my life because he's dead and it's very hard to get that sort of out in a preach when you're putting a bit of theology and all that kind of stuff in there so I really as I'm kind of going through some of this stuff just keep that in your in your heart in your mind you know the old man is dead we do not any longer need to walk in the graveyard God was speaking to me not very long ago, and I can't even remember particularly what it was about. But I was kind of, you know, you know when you sort of struggle with something and you go over it a bit in your mind and you think about it and you pray about it, but somehow it's still there and still giving you some anxiety. And I'm talking to God and he said to me, the trouble with you, he says, is you will just sit there on the grave. Get up. Get up. Let it go. Come on, that's not where you're meant to be. And actually, personally, I find graveyards quite fascinating places. Am I the only one, or do other people go and read all the, the epitaphs on the gravestones, yeah? I hope you're laughing because you, you do it. Or, <laughs> not, what is this woman talking about this morning? But actually, you do get some really fascinating sort of epitaphs. And uh, there was one that particularly I thought was particularly interesting. So um, this one, I'm hoping you can see it. I will read it out. This is um, Hannah Twinoy, who died aged 33 in 1703 and was buried in the churchyard at Malmesbury Abbey. In memory of Hannah Twinoy, who died October 23rd, 1703, aged 33. In bloom of life, she snatched from hence. She had not room to make defence, for tiger fierce took life away. And here she lies in a bed of clay until the resurrection day. Now, I don't know about you, but I was kind of wondering how somebody buried in Malmesbury Abbey got eaten by a tiger. (laughs) And actually, until relatively recently, people didn't know. That was, you know, people knew about the the, the, uh, epitaph, but they didn't really know what that was about. And then someone discovered in a local church not too far away from Malmesbury Abbey, there was a memorial on the wall to Hannah Twinoy. And in case, like me, you're desperate to know how she got eaten by a tiger, it turned out that she was, it says this, to the memory of Hannah Twinoy, she was a servant of the White Lion Inn where there was an exhibition of wild beasts. And amongst the rest, a very fierce tiger, which she imprudently took pleasure in teasing. 
notwithstanding the repeated remonstrance of its keeper. One day, while amusing herself with this dangerous diversion, the enraged animal, by an extraordinary effort, drew out the staple, sprang towards the unhappy girl, caught hold of her gown, and tore her to pieces. So the moral of the story is don't tease tigers, okay? (laughs) So they can be fascinating, graveyards. But when all is said and done, graveyards are full of dead things. And at least as far as human beings go, there really isn't very much life in a graveyard. And the Bible tells us that the old man is dead. The old man is dead, he's buried, he's gone. What is that? What is the old man? Well, I guess to kind of put it simply, and I'm sure that people here could give you a much better theological kind of explanation, but to keep it very simple, it really means that it's the old nature that every descendant of Adam inherits because of the fall. So we all inherited it, but the old man is dead. When did he die? He died on the cross. He died on the cross with Jesus. Romans 6 says this, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who died is free from sin. Because the old man, he was a slave to sin, and he was under the law. But he died 2,000 years ago to be replaced with the new man. And that's good news, isn't it? Because the Bible tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It doesn't say you're partly a new creation. It doesn't say some of the old has passed away and a bit of the new has come. No, it says we are new creations in him. There is no longer any old. The new has come. And that is good news. But this isn't something that we did for ourselves, is it? This was a work of God. It was his work. He did it on the cross. He dealt with the old man. He brought the new. Now, as I said, on the 1st of March, we're going to have some baptisms here. And and baptism is a really good kind of picture of what's happened. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And so it's not only the old man that died on the cross with Jesus. You died on the cross with Jesus. You were buried into death with him. But as Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. You became that new creation. And there was a purpose to that, wasn't it? It wasn't just for the fun of, you know, seeing the old man die and something new kind of appearing. That wasn't why God did it at all. It's because he had a plan and a purpose for you that you could walk in a new and abundant and victorious life. Because of the victory of Jesus on the cross, because the old man is dead, we can walk in his victory trouble is we kind of forget that sometimes don't we and we hang about the graveyard or sit on the gravestones for a while 
when someone becomes a Christian, Father God reckons them as having died with Christ and being raised to new life as a new creation. Now, the old man is dead. He didn't get raised to life. He's still down there in the grave. And that means he doesn't have any power anymore. So what's the problem? Is there a problem? Well, the problem is in our thinking. There's a battle in the mind and the will and the emotions. There's a battle in our soul. And it's our thinking that needs to change so that we can live in the fullness of all that he did for us. You know, your spirit is just fine. You know that, don't you? See, the old man, well, his spirit was dead to God. But when you and I became Christians, our spirit became alive. So in the old man, the spirit is dead. But in the new man, it's alive. And people sometimes talk, don't they, of the spirit being crushed. Have you heard that one? You don't need to tell your spirit to come alive. Your spirit is alive. Yeah. But it's actually in our soul that we, get, um, we contend with the issues in our lives. It's in our soul that we can feel crushed. It's in our soul that we can feel um, where we experience day-to-day life. And we can feel our emotions. We can feel sadness or happiness, love or fear. And that's where, if you like, the seat of our personality is. Your spirit's sorted. It's not sick. It's not weak. It's alive in him. And it's really important that we know that because our spirit is how we connect with the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Father God that has sent to live in us. And it's how we can connect with him to how we can live that victorious life. Because actually, our spirit should be the one that's instructing our soul. Too often... Our soul and our body gets the upper hand. And that's what we kind of see. There's this battle between the new man and our old man. But, well, it's not really our old man, but it's our old man beliefs and ways of thinking, which are still part of our soul. And perhaps that's why the Bible says, put off your old self, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. It also says in Romans 12:2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because it's our minds that need to be renewed. And Paul says, doesn't he, we don't do the good we want to, but the evil we don't want to do, we keep on doing. So who, who identifies with that? I do. I came home from the office a few weeks back, and um, I can't remember what it was that upset me, but um, I had a complete rant at Stuart, and then stalked off into another room. (laughs) He's smiling there. Um, And I bet none of you have ever done that, have you? No. (laughs) Yeah. But my sense of self-justification lasted for all of 10 minutes, I think. And the trouble is, once that kind of sense of, huh, kind of started to wear off, you kind of hear that little voice, don't you, saying, hello. And God said to me, well, that was impressive. (laughs) 
I love the way God does that because you sort of know and he sort of waits, doesn't he, until you just calm down enough and it's like, oh, dear, 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 dear. And then I stopped feeling justified and I just felt ashamed of myself, to be honest. But fortunately for me, fortunately for us, you know, Father God is very patient with us, isn't he? Particularly in the renewing the mind area, which is just as well. I just think about, you know, Jonah, how patient God was with Jonah. He didn't just give up and say, well, forget that, Jonah. You, you know, your thinking is just way off. I'll go find someone else. No, he, he persevered and he perseveres with us. And so I was able to go to Stuart and apologize. And him being the kind and loving husband that he is, it was all forgiven and forgotten. <laughs> and it's in this area of renewing our thinking that you know, we do have to take some responsibility. Because it, it was a work of God that the old man died on the cross. And it was a work of God that we were raised to a new life in him. But that doesn't mean we don't have any responsibility for our thinking. And we have to partner with him in renewing our thinking. So, for example, Colossians 3.9 says, Don't lie to each other since, you've been, since you have put off the old man and have put on the new man, which is being renewed after the image of its creator. And then this slide again. Put off your old self. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. And elsewhere it says we are clothed with Christ. So it's like we put off the grave clothes of the old man and we put on the mantle of Christ. It's a choice that we have to make every day. It's not a one-off thing. Our choice to believe in Jesus, to respond to God calling us, that was a one-off when you did that, you became a Christian and no one can take that away from you because you have the Holy Spirit within you. But every day we have to make the choice to put off the grave clothes of the old man and put on the mantle of Christ. I can choose to put on Christ and walk with him in life or I can hang around the graveyard listening to the mutterings of the old man, clinging on to tattered and filthy grave clothes. And there's no encouragement in a graveyard. There's only death. Once, when I was doing a sozo, somebody said to me, not anybody from Eastgate, I hasten to add, said, uh, yeah, I hold grudges. It's what my family does. We hold grudges. And there was no sense that needed to change. Well, that's an example of hanging out in the graveyard right there. Holding on to old mindsets, prejudices, and beliefs. And these things keep us in the graveyard. They tie us to the old man. So let me ask you a question. Let me challenge you this morning. What is it that you are holding on to? Is there any unforgiveness or bitterness? Is there any resentment or fear? Any unbelief? Or disappointment? Is there any powerlessness, anger, control, negativity, self-righteousness, apathy, performance, judgment, sin? 
Do you need to shake off those grave clothes and get out of the cemetery? So I want to take just one minute before we go on to ask Father God if there's anything that I'm holding on to. If there's anything that is the old man that it's time to shake off and take hold of the victory that we have. So if you don't mind, if you don't want to, feel free not to, but close your eyes. And I'm going to say something and just get you to to pray after me. Is that okay? So let's say this. Father God, will you show me any old man thinking that I'm holding on to? And we're all going to say next bit. Some of you might not have got anything, but let's just say all this together because we don't want to expose anyone. So we'll say this. Father God, would you forgive me? I choose not to partner with that thinking anymore. I hand you my old man thinking and mindsets. Father God, what do you want to give me in exchange? And he will give you something. Yeah. And when he gives you something, write it down or remember it until the end of the service. And then you can talk to him about that and what that means. Because a lot of the old man thinking we have just becomes habits. They're unhelpful habits. And actually, I can't remember, it's about... 40 days or something, somebody once said, you know, it, it takes to change a habit. So we kind of keep working at these things rather than jumping into our old mindset and our old prejudice. But when God shows you something, you get a level playing field because sometimes we just don't know what they are. We don't recognize them in ourselves. And so we continually fall into the same place. But once God shows you, it's a level playing field and you can ask him to help you to change that way of thinking, that mindset. Now, something completely different. That's Jaffa. Jaffa's our dog. And he's a bit of an idiot, really, (laughs) to be honest. We often say the lights are on and nobody's home. And you think I'm joking. But when you see this dog standing in the corner with his food bowl, looking at the wall like that, and he doesn't move, and we're like, something broken? You know, like when a computer freezes, that's Jaffa. But we do love him. Yesterday, I gave him a treat, which was a piece of dried chicken breast. And he took it happily enough. But instead of eating it, he wandered around the house with it, with it in his mouth, whimpering. Like I'd just given him something poisonous that he was stuck to his mouth and he didn't know what to do with. So then he goes to the back door. So I open the back door. Jaffa takes one look at the weather, decides that's not a good idea. Goes back whimpering around the house. Anyway, I ignored him. And after about another 10 minutes, it was all quiet. So I'm thinking, okay, he must have eaten it. That was until I sat down on the sofa and discovered he had buried it under one of the cushions. Some of you have buried things in the graveyard that shouldn't be buried. Dreams, hopes, expectancy, expectancy of what God's going to do, expectancy of what God can do through you. And maybe you buried them because of disappointment. 
or letting people down. But you know what? God says it's time to resurrect those things because he wants to blow life on them. He wants you to see those things through new man lenses. So what is it that you buried in the graveyard that shouldn't be there, that Father God wants to resurrect? What does the new man look like? The new man has the inheritance that Jesus had. The new man is powerful and unafraid. He knows who he is and he knows whose he is. His mind is governed by Christ. The new man is the evidence of the kingdom. Did you know that? You are the evidence of the kingdom. And this is why it is so important that we get hold of new man thinking and let go of the old man thinking. Because God wants to put in his church the answer to the world's confusion. The answer to the problems in the world are in the church. But only if we believe that. Only if we're willing for God to kind of pour out his love and his power on us. So that we walk in that new life. So that we demonstrate the kingdom. Because that's what we're made to do. And that's the kind of thing that's been so much in my heart that I've kind of struggled to almost express. I want to be the evidence of the kingdom. I want to love people more. I don't want to get mad at my husband over whatever trivial thing it was that I can't even remember. I want to go out and pray for people, be brave enough to kind of walk into a shop and someone's got their arm in a sling and put my hand on them and, and pray for them to be healed. Because I'm not always brave enough to do that. Now, we have people here who are really good at that. Me, it's a struggle. Because in my thinking, it's like, who am I to do that? They won't want me to pray for them. Does anyone else resonate with that? Yeah? But actually, that's what we're called to do because we do have the answer. Because we're called to do what Jesus did and even greater things. That's part of being the new man. So we're the evidence of the kingdom. The new man lives from a place of peace and rest. You might think graveyards are peaceful and restful, but that's not the kind of peace and rest he, he means. Okay? This is peace and rest in the middle of the busyness, in the middle of the doing. It's what we do comes out of that inner knowing of who we are and who he is. It's that sense of being at peace with ourselves and working from his rest. I've been quite concerned recently, but some of the people that I've, I've been talking to have been struggling without going into any great details, where there's been a real drivenness and because of that drivenness, they don't rest. And one particular person that I was speaking to, you know, didn't know what things actually made them feel at rest. Made them feel kind of, you know, sort of, ah, oh, relaxed. Because all they ever did was work. And actually, most of that was for the kingdom. So that was a good excuse because, well, you know, there's always something more to do in the kingdom. There's always something more to do for God. But how long did it take God to create the earth? Six days. And at the end of six days, God was so tired, so burnt out, that he thought he'd better have a day of rest. 
No, God didn't need to rest. God did not get burned out. God wasn't tired. So why didn't he just stop after six days? He didn't just stop because he was giving us something really important, the principle that we need to rest. Sometimes people think, oh, the seventh day was a day of rest just to kind of show us that we need to come to church and worship him. No, we're meant to be worshiping him all the time. And yeah, it's great that we can get together as a family, you know, on on a Sunday. But actually God's saying, you need rest. And unless you know how to rest in him, then your life is just full of that level of kind of anxiety and stress that's there all the time. And actually in the modern world, that is really not uncommon. So Father God, teach us how to rest. The new man knows how to rest. The new man is secure. He knows he is loved. He knows he is loved. God loves me. God loves you. Nothing's ever going to change that. Even if you do sort of hang about in the graveyard for a while or sit on the gravestone, it's not going to change the way he feels about you. He loves you. And he has a purpose and a destiny. The new man has a purpose and a destiny. Because God created good works in advance for us to do. He predestined us for those. God knows our purpose. And there's the kind of overall purpose that we extend the kingdom. But each one of you is individual. Each one of you is unique. And your destiny and purpose is not going to look exactly the same as the person sitting next to you. But God has a purpose and a destiny for you. The new man is empowered by the promises, power and purposes of God. The new man lives from those promises because those promises are inside of him. That's why God is so much more interested on what goes on in the inside than what's happening on the outside. Because it doesn't matter what our circumstances are, we can still walk in newness of life. We can still experience the promises of God. We can still be empowered and we deal with those things and they're not always fun. But actually, God says, I know what's going on in the inside. And I'm renewing the inside. Because although it's true that I said, you know, this is our responsibility to take hold of our thinking, for our thinking to change, we we don't have to do it on our own because God does it with us. Because God cares more about that, frankly, than you do. Because he wants to pour himself out on his people. Where have I got to? Yeah. (laughs) So the, the, old, the new man is not legalistic or judgmental. He is motivated by gratitude and love. We don't do it out of a sense of duty, the extending the kingdom. We do it out of love because he first loved us and because we know what he did for us. In myself, I was dead in my sins, but God so loved the world God so loved me, God so loved you that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I am so grateful to God. I know, I don't know all of them probably, but I I know my failings. You know a lot of yours. My husband certainly knows my failings. And my children would probably, would they join in with that? Yeah, probably. I know them. I don't need to be told, but actually, I love him because of what he's done despite me. Father God 
longs for us to get out of the graveyard, take off the grave clothes, dig up the things we should never have buried there in the first place so that he can pour out more of his love, his life and his power onto his people. He longs for us to display his love, his power, his freedom. He's waiting for us to cast off our negativity, our powerlessness and our captivity. There is so much fear, helplessness, uncertainty in the world, but the church is meant to model something completely different. We're not meant to follow along with what the world does. The Bible says the nations will come to the light of his glory. Well, you are the light of his glory. You are meant to be the light of his glory. His glory made known. His glory displayed. His glory visible. So are you? Are we? Or has his church hidden its light under bushels of negativity, of powerlessness, of apathy, of mediocrity and fear? And those are things we really stand against here. Because we know that when those things are in our life, we can't walk in everything that he has, has for us. As a, um, a church, any church, is only as free as its people. It's only as powerful as its people. It's only as courageous as its people. It's time for us to wake up and start putting his glory on display. Because he's calling us to live in the fullness of the new man. He's looking for people who are wholehearted in their faith and their commitment both to him and to each other. Because although, um, as I said, we've really talked about from an individual point of view, there's also that corporate. You can't be a new man on your own. Well, you can if you're in darkest Peru and there's no one else around and you just have to rely on God you know but but actually we're meant to be in a church we're meant to be part of his family we're meant to be part of his body because there's a corporate sense of the new man as well most of that comes from Romans and in Romans Paul was really talking about the fact there was now one body you know that Jews and Gentiles had come together so there was a corporate sense to the new man the creation of the body, the creation of his church. And so I'm not going to go into that because I know that um, David's going to be um, preaching on that on another day. But we are meant to be committed not just to him, but to each other as well. So I'm going to finish in a minute. But I want you to just reread that list of some of the things. And it's not an exhaustive list of the new man. And as I'm doing that, Have a think about those things. Where do you need a bit more new man thinking in your life? The new man is powerful and unafraid. The new man knows who he is and whose he is. His mind is governed by Christ. He is the evidence of the kingdom of God. He lives from a place of peace and rest. He is secure. He knows he is loved. He has a purpose and a destiny. He is empowered by the promise, power and purposes of God. He is not legalistic or judgmental. He is motivated by gratitude and love.
So if you'd like some more of those things in your life, a bit more new man thinking, would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for us. Father God, thank you that the old man is dead. Thank you that we do not need to linger in the graveyard. Thank you that we do not need to wear grave clothes anymore. Thank you that you have clothed us with Christ. And Father, we want to be more wholehearted. We want more of your love, your life, and your power. And we want you to deal with that old man thinking and enable us to step into all that you have for us. And so, Father God, today we choose to let the old man be dead. We choose to step into your victory, to step into new thinking, to step into all that you intended us to be. And Father God, when we forget, would you remind us who we are in your son? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.